0: What about when you get to the point in your work where you start to ask yourself if this is really meaningful? Where you start to ask yourself, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? And if not, how do I get out of it? Otta has been there and done that. Today, I speak with her in our conversation and she dives into self-discovery even while still doing a job that might not be your forever job, what to look for in a dream job, the stages of discovering yourself and appreciating your value. We'll learn from Otter how to follow your heart and take your mind along with it. I cannot wait for you to get the juice of this conversation. So let's dive in. Welcome to She Shows Up podcast, giving you the tools and strategies you need to create, lead, sell, and stand out online. It's time to show up. And here's your host, Tolu Michaels. Hi, Ota. Welcome. <laughs> Hi, Tolu. It's so good to be here. It's so exciting to have you. I'm so grateful. Thank you for coming on. <laughs> Same here. Like I mentioned earlier, I actually sent you a
1: DM on Instagram just saying yay to our you know, podcast session. And I'm really, really excited to be here. <laughs>
0: Yes, I was so encouraged by your message, because I literally couldn't wait. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to talk with you. But before we dive in, could you please introduce yourself in the way that you like to be introduced?
1: Okay, so my name is Otta Sese. That's the full name, Otta for short. I, I worked in the corporate world banking, to be specific, for 11 years. Somewhere along the line, after five years working in the bank, I had an existential crisis, and I started asking myself, "Is this all there is to my life? Just getting up, going to work every day. I it didn't really give me the fulfillment that I really yearned for." And um, after you know, dabbling into different programs, reading, and all sorts of things, I eventually started hosting. Um, a mastermind firm, mastermind firms for entrepreneurs and business leaders. That's what I felt called to do. Mm-hmm. And I started that in 2016. And I did that for, that was actually when I had worked in the bank, I think for about seven years. I did that for I did about fourteen sessions of that, and um, just basically connecting entrepreneurs and talking on purpose and business and people. And a high point for me was in 2018, where I personally hosted and um, invited and hosted then serving U.S. Ambassador to Nigeria, Ambassador mm-hmm. Stuart Simington. So it was really, really a good time for me. Um, in December 2019, I started feeling a strong nudging in my heart that I really needed to, you know, get out and do more about you know, the feeling I have. And so I resigned my banking job in 2019, December, and then went on another self-discovery journey. It was really messy, but I'm grateful for it at the end of the day. And so basically what I'm doing right now is just sharing ideas and concepts that actually work to help people create real change in
0: their lives. So mm. thanks so much. Wow, thank you for that introduction. You gave us context right from the start. I love it. <laughs> I love it. So I would like to find out, you know, how did you even get here? How did you become the kind of person who asks themselves this kind of questions? And let's see, when you were growing up in your childhood, was there any conversation about work? What kind of conversation did adults have in your home about careers?
1: Okay, so um, growing up, I'd always seen my parents work. Bo- both of them worked in, you know, organizations. Mm. My mom as a practicing midwife. My father worked in a pharmaceutical. he was a farm, he's a pharmacist, so he worked in a pharmaceutical organization and um, grew to be the GM of marketing in that organization before he left to run his own private practice. Um you know on his own and then my mom also at some point she left um, nursing and went started a supermarket and afterwards joined my father to grow the pharmacy as a family business so work growing up you know to be honest i'd like to say that oh, when i started from five six years i already understood entrepreneurship and stuff like that we really didn't have those conversations per se about work but there was something that was really prevalent in my home at that time and that was hard work Mm -hmm. i saw my both parents work hard and for me as a woman or as a girl i connected more with my mother and i always saw her work hard so one thing i i learned and i think all my siblings learned is just basically working hard not no excuse to sit down and wallow so even if you're not working at the time, you know, weren't working to get income. I mean, I remember in boarding school, in my early um, secondary school, I was in boarding school, and I'll hear my friends talk about how at home they'd work and then their parents would pay them an allowance. And I'm like, my own is not like that, so you just work your, your own, you should be grateful <laughs> that, you know, you did something for your family. <laughs> but then, so, uh, but, but one thing was certain, hard work. It was something in the house that, and it's one of the values that you know. I, I I think, you know, I cultivated from home, and it's been with me even till now. So by the time I actually finished secondary school and started working and getting money, you know, that value of hard work was already mm-hmm. there. So I think, even though as a child we didn't have conversations about oh work, my parents had the same you know conversations that parents. Most parents at that time had with their children about career, go to school, you know, read a good course and then get a job, you know, nothing about, nothing specific about entrepreneurship, but then hard work is, is just basically it. And that's something that's, you know, been
0: with me till Mm. now. So good. But then again, if you are the kind of person who has been instilled The value of hard work, you know, had been instilled in you. How do you reconcile that with also getting a few years into your job and starting to say, oh Why am I even doing this work? Could it be more than this? Why am I waking up early to get into this traffic to go to this job? Could I be doing something else? It's almost like laziness is trying to come upon you. (laughs) Meanwhile, you've been trained to be hardworking. So how do you reconcile that? And if you're experiencing that, what do you do? Okay, so like I said, you know, hard work has always
1: been my thing. Thankfully, my reputation from when I was serving to when I got into the bank and worked for 11 years. I worked in different um, divisions from retail banking to institutional banking, telecommunications, financial institutions, corporate banking, basically, went you know, different areas. And one thing that my bosses would always say is that I'm hardworking and dependable. So in terms of hard work, I didn't have a problem at this time. When I was having this uh, crisis, I actually was working. So my problem wasn't the hard work. It's just, I think my problem was, is this meaningful work? Because after you wake up in the mm. morning and then you do all the work the whole day, and then you get back at night, you're exhausted, but then you don't feel fulfilled. So you, yes, you hit your deliverables for the day. Your boss is happy. Your customers are happy. But you feel a bit drained. So my question was, is this meaningful work? There's something I started having asking myself, and I think I should back up a little bit because before I actually, you know, got to work in the bank when I was still before I got a job at all, because my bank job was immediately after youth service. I used to have this strange aspiration that oh, when I'm older, when I get a job, I start living, I get married, after having children, I'm telling you that that was my aspiration. No, I was not a big thinker like oh, I'm going to do this thing and <laughs> change the likes of people No, i just wanted to get married have children have a job and believe in. and so by five years working in the bank i actually was married at that time i had a i had a child my first daughter at the time and it wasn't just adding up i wasn't happy i wasn't feeling like i thought i would feel when i you know when i acquired these things and so at that point i started asking the question is there supposed to be more There has to be more. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't, this is not, I don't, I thought about myself living that same way for the next 20 years. And I really felt miserable. And I felt like there had to be more meaning to my life than this. And so I went on, that was the first time in my life, I actually went on a self-discovery journey. And then of course, exposed myself to books, to teaching, to just basically, you know, more invested in even church sermons to understand. And it's Mm -hmm. in that process I started understanding that there's more to me, that even though I have a job, as a person, as Otta, Otta Osese, there's something I'm supposed to contribute to this world that is beyond just getting a job and just making money and hitting your KPIs. So really, I think it wasn't really about hard work, it was about meaningful work, work that was meaningful to me
0: personally. Mm, Thank you, that clarification is so important. Hard work versus meaningful work, but I'd like to, you know, just dig deeper into that your self-discovery journey. So for somebody who is at this point, you know, asking themselves these questions and just saying, look, I don't want to just work. I want to do meaningful work. somebody in that kind of position, how do they go on the self-discovery journey? Your self-discovery journey, what was it like? What exactly did you do? Did you get a new routine? Did you seek out somebody? I mean, just tell us, what did you do? and has
1: it yeah so um i personally believe that as human beings we keep discovering ourselves at every phase of our lives you know i've had two major self discovery journeys already so far and i don't think that's the end because i try to think that we are like gold mm. mines you know we keep as long as you until the day mm. you die there's still something to discover about you i personally believe that second thing i want to say is which is what I've experienced has taught me now. I personally believe that everybody's self-discovery journey is different Mm. and unique, you know? So what, yeah, what worked for me may not work for somebody else, but there are some underlying principles. So the first self-discovery journey I did uh, when I had worked in the bank for five years, I was in that space where I absolutely had no idea about the concept of purpose, I actually had no idea about what I could do as a human being. Like, did I have any potential? You know, then I defined myself by my job and what I did. Oh, I was a relationship manager. Oh, I knew how to market and sell, mm. you know, those kind of things. At that time, I had no vision. I had no, I I couldn't think about, oh, what does the future, what do I see myself doing in the future? At that time, I didn't consider myself a leader or I just thought I was just there. So at that phase, my self-discovery journey meant going to the very very beginning for me i started reading books um reading books like uh, one book i'd recommend is miles monroe's books you know in pursuit of purpose um understanding your potential you know i read i actually think i read a number of books so to be honest (laughs) there are Mm -hmm. lots of books i read and i i really can't remember the titles but i know i delved into a lot of books i've read one book called Mm -hmm. finishing strong john maxwell's book Mm -hmm. yes i got uh, joyce meyer's enjoying everyday life bible and i got serious with you know bible daily bible study for me then i opened up my mind to opening up myself to the world so at some point i realized that oh i had a gift for speaking because, you know, a lot of times ask yourself a lot of questions Oh, what are those things that you do really well Mm -hmm. and do effortlessly. I realized that speaking was something that I'd never gone through any training, but I, you know, did it effortlessly. So I started going out of my comfort zone and attending then, you know, attending events that would give me an opportunity to network, Mm -hmm. to speak. That's what I started doing. And then I was in Abuja and then I started actually, Started meeting people and telling them, Oh, I'd like to come to your event and giving the opportunity, mm-hmm. I'd like to speak. So, you know, it's it's a daily journey. For me, I just basically invested myself in reading books more intentionally, like, oh, with the intention of oh, knowing who I am. And then I didn't end it there. I went a step further to actually deploying myself. So that's my own approach. For me, I'm a kind of and I like to be practical, like, oh, action, action. It's not just about reading. Oh, I need to pull myself out there and even, you know, speak. So that was the first self-discovery mm-hmm. journey I did, you know. And the second one I did this year, is was a bit um, different from that one because by this year, I had a full understanding of purpose, potential, vision, leadership. I had tried my hands out at things i had hosted 14 mass mind events had failed i had made personal mistakes you know so this time the self-discovery journey now was who are you not who people say you are because the first self-discovery journey was more of oh after i finish I go out and get validation and then somebody says oh wow oh wow this is who you are oh i can see you you are good in fact In that period, I got into some trouble, but I think it's all what makes life interesting. (laughs) I I always jokingly said that the first network marketing, I did network marketing, by Mm the way, and the first network marketing I did was because in that period when I found that I could speak and I went to meet someone and I said, oh, she should be my mentor. And then she says, yes, I have a a great opportunity for you to speak. And she invited me to one place and I went there. Then I saw it was... um, Forever Living uh, Products, um, Network Marketing, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and so I actually signed up. I said, yes, this is it. I'm going to market. I'm going to talk. <laughs> and I almost talked myself to death. <laughs> I marketed. <laughs> so those are some of the things. And that's amateur change. <laughs> when you are seeking validation. <laughs> well, you know, the second self-discovery is now, who are you for hmm. you? not who anybody's and so the first self-discovery stage you are desperately looking for validation at that point you actually feel like you cannot succeed without a coach and i just want to first say that i'm not speaking against coaching i think it's great i think it's a good opportunity to hold your hand but then if you are not careful at the beginning stage of your self-discovery journey when you're when you don't even know yourself at all you believe that you have these ideas For example, let me just give a very simple, ridiculous um, illustration. So you know you are a girl. You already know you're a girl, but you're not sure that Mm. you're a girl. And you're not sure that you can go and tell the world Mm. that you're a girl. So you then go and meet a coach and then ask the coach. And the coach now says, you are a girl. I say to you, yes, you are a girl, and then you say, yes, I'm a girl. So can I go out to the world? And tell people I'm a girl, and then the coach says, yes, and then you go out to the world and I say, if not for my coach that told me I'm a girl, I wouldn't have said. So it's really funny. Like like I said, I'm not. Of course, I'm not at all. I'm I'm also a coach in you know some <laughs> level, but then I'm just saying that you know the second self discovery journey for me was alone, completely alone it was a period where I completely shut out in a sense from the world this was what I did like I said everybody's discovery journey Mm -hmm. is different for me I completely closed off and I was alone with God and just me and resources and praying and thinking and reading who are you for you not who somebody Mm -hmm. says you Mm -hmm. are and it's still for me It still boiled down to reading books and looking at resources of people that i respect one person i really respect is joyce meyer and i spent a lot of time with her content you know and then you know a number of other people too. just basically for me that's so if i were to advise someone i would say when you're doing a self-discovery journey you need to really understand who you are for you not who somebody says you are somebody would say, oh, this is who you are and this is what you are supposed to do. But the first thing is who am I, who am I for me? Mm -hmm. And and then make a decision. So another thing I did that was a fruit from this second self-discovery journey was I made a commitment to daily, just taking life step by step. So I'm still on that journey. So I'm guilty of being a big vision, big thinker. Like I got to a stage where, oh, I think, oh, I want to change the world. or I want to, I mean, think about it. For me to have personally invited and hosted then Seven Ambassadors it's the kind of way I think, oh, it has to be open and everything. But one thing I learned was, you know, gradually, step by step, Taking those steps as you are discovering yourself, whatever your heart is telling you to do.
0: Thank you, Otter. That was so so generous. It, it was generous, um, and I appreciate that you were able to give specific, practical examples. And I I really relate with what you said about seeking external validation. I believe in the power of coaching. I you know I have coaches myself, and I know that there is. There is value in getting support, accountability, and that kind of help, but there's even greater value in knowing who you are, what you bring to the table, and being able to say, look, this is what has been deposited in me, and this is the extent that I know that I could go if I applied myself. But I can't do it alone, so I need a coach. <laughs> yeah. So it's yes, I know the value coming from that angle as opposed to saying, Oh, I need somebody to tell me who I am and what my existence is about and why I'm even in life. <laughs> yes, yeah. so thank you so much for speaking to that. I'm so glad you did not shy away from speaking to that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Right. So when you say that. You ask people to let you speak. I'm curious. <laughs> I mean, I get your point about being someone who acts on what they know immediately, so you found out that look I, I I'm good at speaking. I can be a great speaker and then you started to tell people, uh you know, can I come over to your event? Let me speak? What do you have to say about that because there's all this resistance around raising up your hand and asking people to choose you. So how do you really handle that? I'm curious to know. Okay, so um, by nature, I think I'm a, I'm a very
1: action-oriented person and it has its pros and it has its cons. The pros is when I have a nudging in my heart that, oh, I should do this thing, I really don't waste time. I don't, I don't do this analysis paralysis kind of thing. I just feel like, oh, I feel I should do this what do I need to do? I get up and I do it. So the good thing about it is it allows me to Mm. get started really quickly before I'm ready. And when, if it involves failure, I also fail really quickly and make mistakes really quickly and get up again and move. But the con is that, um, sometimes I don't even think about the whole picture. I don't think about, Oh, what's the consequence of this? I don't think about, I just dive head in. So, you know, so so, so. having said that, uh, when I discovered that what I could do really effortlessly and at the time actually encourage people was speaking, it's something that I enjoyed to do. And when people came to me with specific problems, I would talk to them and they would say, oh, wow, you know, I really do feel good. And they go on and they start doing things. So uh, at the time, then we didn't have, this was in 2012 slash 2013. And we didn't have, uh, or I was not very much aware of how to use social media. So it's not like now that you can actually just get up and start recording your own Instagram live or whatever you want to do. Then, you know, I really didn't know much about those things. So it had to be very physical. So I I first started mm. by going to meet my auntie who um, has a school and who, you know, inspired me because she also does a lot of um, leadership um, talk. And I told her, this is what I want to do. I want to start Talking, I want to start encouraging people, but I don't have my own platform. Nobody knows me, you know, and then she, she referred me to a friend of hers. Do you know that I actually went to that friend's house? I also pitched the same thing to that friend, (laughs) that was how dogged I was. That friend then told me about another friend and told me about that other friend's uh, event, the friend was holding. And then I went to that event. And that was when I actually approached because I was so inspired by what this lady was doing. And I went straight up to her and I said, Oh my God, I'm so inspired by what you're doing. I'd like you to mentor me. I want to speak blah, blah, blah. And, <laughs> you know, and then, and, and, I, and then I was just, and I think for me, I'm also grateful about um, all the experiences experiences I've had in life. And that's one thing I'd also like to quickly say um, that there's no experience we've had in life. That is a waste. Sometimes we might think, "Oh, it's not relevant," but there's no experience as a way. So, for example, um, even though by nature I um, I know how to speak and I'm never sh- I, I don't feel shy when I'm speaking in public, but it was my five years of working in the bank, working in business development, in sales and marketing, where you get to. Meet customers, you get to do cold calling, you get to go to someone you've, you've never met before, and then you start pitching your banking products to them. You know, and in the process of so far five years, or at that time, five years, I had developed better communication skills, I had developed um, confidence and chari- charisma. You know, all of those things that was what also helped me to be able to go from one place to, do, to the other meet people, strangers, and then let them know exactly, oh, this is what I know how to do. This is how I know how to do it. And, But for me, I think a turning point came when um, there was a particular person. I asked her, I wanted to speak at her. Events and then she put me through intense scrutiny. Scrutiny and I really don't blame her because at that time I was nobody knew me. I was just this zealous young young woman who wanted to speak at all costs. But she really she told me to send me her to, send her my topic. She wants to first of all um, analyze the topic and then mm. refine it and send it back to me. I should send her my slides. She wants you know in the process I felt exhausted and I felt drained. I really didn't. Feel good, And I'm not saying, like I said, um, there was really nothing wrong with what she was doing. For her, she needed to be sure that, oh, this person doesn't come and give my audience crap. But for me, I felt like crap because I felt like I was, you know, my creativity was being hindered and stifled uh, by all these changes and amendments she was making. And that was when I actually made a decision that I was going to create my own platform and I was going to, you know, start hosting my own events. And at my event, I was going to speak and express my creativity in the way that, you know, I knew how to. That was when I made the decision to create my own platform. And then I eventually started my own platform in 2016. So at my own platform, I gave my I didn't need permission from anybody. I didn't need to submit my slides to anybody. I didn't need to submit my topic. I felt like, oh, this is what my heart told me to do, based on what I'm seeing, and I spoke. And he also helped me too. So, I think um, if I want to help anybody listening, I always I would say what I what I always say, and I, I even put it up on my on my story last mm-hmm. night. It was a personally curated quote, and it's I, I, something I personally coined, and I believe it. Follow your heart and take your mind along with you. So when your heart tells you, your heart is always with you and it's telling you oh this is what you know how to do go on and do it don't the problem i found out with even me is we're afraid to fail we're afraid to look stupid we're afraid to make mistakes so we either go and look for validation or we don't even do anything at all but now luckily in the world we live in today we have technology which has democratized a lot of things. I mean, Tolu, I don't believe that you needed to get some kind of license, some kind of um, you know permission from one board to start your podcast. You believed you wanted to make a difference, you to create change, and then you got started and you've already started doing incredible work with it. Mm-hmm. And it's so impressive. So that's really it. People are afraid to fail. My advice is get, go out with it, go. Don't be afraid of failure. You fail, you make mistakes, you get up, you will learn, and you will continue again.
0: Mm. Yes, thank you. Yes to all of that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I, I really appreciate it. I love what you're saying. And you know, the thing about even starting out on our own is that everybody thinks that this idea of having a platform is something so massive. Everything doesn't have to always be massive. In fact, big things start small. Big things start small. Your 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 smartphone is a platform. The fact that you have ten people following you on Instagram, it's it's a platform and every message has its audience. So I really appreciate that you are you know, you, you put that in there. Thank you. Thank you for putting that out. Okay, but Otta, the other thing that I'm seeing in this message and the conversation we've been having is: is it not easy for somebody to say, "Oh well, Otta, you had a, a bad job that allowed you the space to go and experiment. You know, you went on self discovery. After all, you had a salary to fall back on. You hosted fourteen masterminds. After all, if if you didn't make any money from it, or if you failed, it wouldn't matter because you still had, you know, at least a good job bringing you some money." The question is, how do we pursue meaningful work and still be able to live financially empowered? Is it possible? Can there be an alignment between purpose and being profitable? What are your thoughts on that? You're so, so right. To be honest,
1: it was the fact that I had a well-paying banking job that actually allowed me to do the things I did to do to, to do the kind of self-discovery I did, to do I did a lot of reckless <laughs> things. Like to be honest, then, you know, life is so beautiful because um you you make mistakes but then you learn from them. When I in hindsight, when I look back now, if I were to advise someone, I wouldn't advise the person to do the things I did the way I did them. Because for me, for example, I had a well paying job. So um money was not a problem for me per se. Um It was just about deploying my passion, and so I had the money. Even when I talked about uh, wanting to create my own platform, I had the money to rent halls. Then it was not even online; it was physical, hardcore, very capital extensive, intensive projects. But I had the money. To rent the mm-hmm. hall, to get the speakers to pay honorarium or give them gifts. I had the money to decorate, to do video pictures, all these things. So look, I did coaching pro- I've done a coaching program that was, in fact two. One was about one million, another one was over one million. I spent money on coaching programs. Mm-hmm. It's because money wasn't a problem for me because I had a job. However, now this is the second part, and this is what I'm so grateful about. So I did another self-discovery journey this year when I was no longer working in the bank. So right now I'm a full-time entrepreneur, full-time doing my own thing, counting pennies like being careful. It's not like, oh, you just blow the money and then, oh, you know, at the end of the month salary comes in. So it completely changed the game for me. So first of all, in the self-discovery journey I did this year, I didn't pay a dime for any process I did. I didn't pay a dime. In fact, the only money I spent was on data, which, you know, when you really think about it, it wasn't like mm-hmm. that's crazy. But it, it, I believe that this self-discovery I did was even more powerful than the one I did before because I was forced mm-hmm. to be more creative now. Then my creativity was, yeah, it was, it was there, mm-hmm. but I had the aid of my job. So I could do anything I wanted to do. And if I failed, i just get up and go, salary is going to come again, move on with my life. But this time around, when I did the discovery this year, I knew that I couldn't do that. So I had to be very careful. And that's when I also discovered a vital key to life. And I personally believe that it is the key to success. And that is taking everything one step at a time little increments or baby steps if hmm. you like being present in the moment because what happened to me before was if i thought about something i knew i had the means to get it done and though i just got it done you know i didn't really you know waste so much time or spend so much time on all oh, the baby steps of climbing i just wanted to get it done but now i realize that it's in the baby steps that you actually develop character It's in the baby steps that you actually develop patience. It's in the baby steps that you actually enjoy the journey, even though it is stressful because you're working hard, you are working with limited, you know, small resources. But then you are, at the end of the day, you look back and say, wow, I was able to stretch this resources i had this way and you have a better appreciation for it now to to your question of is it possible to do meaningful work and still be profitable yeah for me i strongly believe that i believe that when you create value for people eventually you will get rewarded with you know income it is it is inevitable but where the issue is which happened to me and which I think a lot of people struggle with is that instant gratification mindset, where you believe, oh, I start doing this thing today. Okay, let me just, I don't really know much about um, the business of podcasting, but I'm just going to give an example. Let's say, I want to believe that there are people in the world right now that are really cashing in big time from, you know, having podcasts. And then somebody says, I want to start a podcast. And then you just do the podcast for one month. And you don't make money and then you just say oh no it doesn't make sense i'm closing it up you know not knowing that as long as you are creating value people are going to go through different stages people are going to first of all they'll go through the stage of not noticing you then they go through the stage of noticing you then they go through the stage of paying attention to you then they go through the stage of you know like judging you, assessing you. Oh, is this person even worth their soul? Then they go through the stage of appreciation, exchange. It is that journey that is very difficult because that journey is is different for different people. Different people have different timelines. Some people that journey took them weeks. Some people that journey takes them months. Some people that journey takes them years. In fact, I've heard of someone who's, I've heard of few people whose journey took them decades, you know, but then the cash in is big. The payouts when it does come is big because what you're doing is you're heaping in daily incremental, you know, mountains of value every day you're adding, but as long as you follow value, money will come money follows value. If we look at any products, even in terms of, you know, high, high conversion rate products, like, okay, let's say I sell recharge card. It's still value at the end of the day, people buy the recharge card and they use it. So that's value. And so people exchange their money for it. So when you, when it comes to purpose, purpose is doing that thing that is meaningful to you that it's, that you find fulfillment with, you know, of, obviously you will be passionate about it, but the money with purpose may not come as quickly as you think you will. But then with consistency, with doing it every day, one thing I know you will get is fulfillment. You will be fulfilled. At the end of the day, you would go home or lie on your bed. And you think about, if you are the kind of person, for example, obviously um, you want to touch people's lives, you will think about, oh, the number of, people that you touched, the people that got back to you and told you certain things about themselves and how they want to move themselves forward, you see that you so first first of all you get fulfillment and then
0: inevitably money will flow. Money will mm. come. So uh, what if what what if somebody is you know like this thing that they feel is meaningful work that aligns with their purpose what if it's not bringing money today and they're getting hungry <laughs> you see what i mean i mean how do you what do you do in the meantime because what we've learned from you is that value definitely pays off but until then what do you do in the meantime what will be your coping mechanism So for me
1: i think the job is not the enemy at all there is no shame in getting a job while you're still pursuing your purpose at the side As a matter of fact, we're all supposed to live in purpose, regardless of what we're doing. Whether we're teaching or farming, Mm -hmm. we're supposed to live a life of purpose. There's a unique gift that we're given, and we're supposed to deploy ourselves Mm -hmm. every day. However, what I would add to that is, when you are looking for a day job, be careful to get a job that will allow you the time and the flexibility to also pursue your dream job. And by dream mm-hmm. job, I mean like your 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 mean your your, your your job that gives you meaning, your job that you're passionate about, that it's in line with your purpose. You don't get a job that your dream job will eventually be pushed to five percent or ten percent or even fifteen percent, and then the day job, which you're really doing mostly for the money, would be about eighty percent or ninety percent. Get a job that will allow you to you know, do well with both of them, say on a 60-40, I think 60-40 is not bad, say 60%, -hmm. you're able to give 60% of your time every day to your day job, and then 40% of your time to your dream job, and pick a job, pick a day job that gives you that flexibility, where you're not stealing, you're not stealing time from your employer, but because of the nature of the job, you are able to work out your your purpose and your meaning and your passion you know don't it's very very important because the truth is money is very important we have bills the reality is that we have bills to pay and all of those things but you also don't want to sell away your purpose or your passion so cheaply because of money you have to be conscious of that and if it means taking a job with a pay cut or with with you know pay that is less than you would take in the meantime while you're building your dream your dream job on the side then you you consider that so find a way to set Mm -hmm. the right boundaries where you're able to give your best to your day job and you're also able to give your best to your dream job all right so it's, it's a journey of intentionality and personal growth when you're when you're making this kind of decision whether you're getting a day job or you are doing your passion full-time it's a journey of personal growth being conscious because the more you grow yourself the more you're going to be able to establish the right right boundaries between your day job and your dream job but i think my underlying point is there's absolutely nothing wrong in getting a day job if you need that day job in the meantime to pay your bills to take care of your your rent and other utilities while you have your eyes on the bigger picture which is building your dream job your purpose your meaning the job that allows you to express your passions um on the side before you're able to take it full time all right so but when you have a job that is giving you income you are able to be very creative you're able to pace yourself and then you do it until you believe you are ready again to go out fully on your own so for me i think the job is not the enemy at all you can you can there's no shame in getting a job while you're still pursuing your purpose on the side as a matter of fact we're all supposed to you know live in purpose regardless of whatever we are doing whether we are teaching we're farmers we're we're supposed to live on purpose there's a unique gift that we've all
0: been given and we're supposed to deploy ourselves every hmm, day yes. thank you so much beautiful beautiful i love it and yeah. i have found that people who have walked this path usually have uh, a more wholesome advice than just saying fire your boss uh follow your passion yeah. so, <laughs> so i'm so yeah. grateful thank you for being generous enough yeah. to put that out there for us thank you so much Oter, this you. has been great honestly <laughs> <laughs> i feel like saying we should do it again was so much
1: fun i really, I really
0: <laughs> a lot of fun. thank you so uh as we as we wrap up today you have hosted 14 mastermind events yes this is something that people who have even been entrepreneurs for 10 years might not have been able to say i have physically hosted entrepreneurs together in 14 mastermind events i think that that's a lot thank you for giving that to the world Uh, thank you thank you so much what have you found you're welcome what have you found in in bringing you know different entrepreneurs together what are some of the lessons you've learned either from the process of doing it yourself or maybe you've seen some magic happen in a room where many entrepreneurs come together i don't know but if you have hosted 14 mastermind events there has to be something that you have seen either in the process of coordinating the event or, you know, the magic in the room that happens when entrepreneurs come together, there has to be something in there. You have done it 14 times. What are some of the lessons you've gotten from hosting 14 masterminds for entrepreneurs?
1: Okay. So, um, one lesson I have, uh, one key thing I learned is that either unconsciously or consciously, everybody, and in, in this case, it was entrepreneurs and business um, owners, Every entrepreneur is looking for meaning for their business. That's one thing I found out. So, before mm-hmm. I started hosting these events, I used to look at entrepreneurs, business leaders and say, "Oh wow, this person has it all, has it all together. Oh, they're just they don't need anything." And but when I started inviting entrepreneurs, having conversations with them, hosting these events and sitting in through, you know, so many conversations, I realized that everybody is looking for meaning everybody's looking for a way to contribute. Every, like I said, consciously or unconsciously, whether they know it or not, when you speak with them long enough, you realize that yes, they might have started their business just to make money, but somewhere along the line, it's, it's transcended just making money. It went on to contribution. How do I contribute meaningfully? How do I use my business as a vehicle to contribute something meaningful to my society, to my environment? Even my personal life, people are looking for purpose. The, the topic of purpose is something that everybody is looking for. When I talk with entrepreneurs, I realize that that's what they're looking for. They want to wake up every day and feel like I'm doing something that is fulfilling me, that is in line with my purpose. Mm. The second thing I have learned, and this is a personal lesson, is that there is nothing, there is no limits to what you can do as long as you believe you can do it and it is not something that is against a fact, like let's say gravity, something that is in line with them, um, a fact that you cannot change as long as you believe it and you trust God, it can happen. So for me, for example, when I look at some of the events I hosted and some of the people that I hosted at that event, I mean, through the grace of God, I hosted, you know, legends like Eugenia Abu. I hosted, you know, people that are really doing stuff. And I realized that this is something that I never thought was possible. When I first started, I'm like, Hmm. who knows me? Who wants to even come for my event? Who wants to hear my opinion? But what I learned is there's no limit. As long as you think it. You believe it, and for me, I'm, I mean, I'm 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 a firm believer in God, so I don't want to take the credit to myself. But then you trust God, it will happen. The third thing I learned is there is always hope, as long as people are ready to come together. There is always hope in every situation. In Nigeria, for example, mm-hmm. in hosting those events, I actually rebuilt and developed my hope in Nigeria because you realize that there are actually Nigerians that are doing great things. They may not be as celebrated as, you know, the people that everybody knows, but they're people that believe in this country. They are Nigerians. They they don't have any sort of international um, qualification or education, but they are here and they are Mm -hmm. using their resources here in Nigeria and they are doing meaningful work. So that's the third thing I learned, that there is hope in every situation. There is a vision for our lives that is bigger than us. And I think the fourth thing I learned from hosting... 14 mastermind events is that you don't need permission to lead. I mean, think about it. Mm -hmm. I hosted hosted over 250 plus business professionals, entrepreneurs. I mean, I, the reason why I say 250 plus because I stopped at 250. I was tired of counting. I hosted, Mm -hmm. I hosted almost 20 respected thought leaders. I mean, if you think about it, if if I there was one time the uh, CEOs getaway event I did in two thousand and eighteen, I was talking with someone who I really respect about this vision because I had it really strong in my heart to host. I had been doing normal entrepreneurial, you know events, but this time around, I had the strong nudging to host an event that was the purpose of that event was to have strategic conversations about job creation and um and economic growth, which was a little bit away from. know what i was doing before and of Mm -hmm. course at that level you need to bring influential entrepreneurs that can say something and bring it you know they say it. it's not just about saying it but then they have the systems and resources to bring it to action and um that was Mm -hmm. when i invited the the ambassador and i remember before i even invited the ambassador i spoke with someone who i respected um at the time who i respect and i told him and he says no that's too big why are you going so high level i mean he said it with care he didn't mm-hmm. say, but he was like you know just do it small something for you know smes just do it at that level and really that's what they need but then i had that nudging it was so strong in my heart to do it and i did it and guess what it made so much sense that the ambassador didn't come alone he came with his economic counselor his counselor for economic yeah. affairs because obviously by just interacting with me, he believed that there was something useful that day his administration could get from that gathering. And for me, that's the biggest lesson. You don't need permission. You don't mm. need permission to lead. The world is waiting for you to lead. You just get up and start leading. You will fail, you will make mistakes, but guess what? keep ongoing. The world needs that day. Wow, 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 wow.
0: Thank you. And that is the core of this podcast. You know, you have just encapsulated and summarized the purpose of putting this work out there. The reason why we had this conversation in the first place. It's really that You don't need permission you don't need fancy titles you don't need to be a genius you just need to be generous you just need to think oh my gosh somebody needs this somebody could use this and i think i'm the one to bring this solution into people's lives Ota, thank you so much for joining me today (laughs) <laughs> thank you thank you it's been such a pleasure to speak with you thank you thank you
1: Solu. this was absolutely wonderful i loved it
0: and your questions oh my
1: goodness Solu, you are really good at this questions are so are super
0: i love them all thank you everyone thank you for joining us today on she shows Up podcast the links to everything that we have mentioned would be in the show notes and please remember to leave us a five-star review and your <laughs> feedback on whatever podcast uh, platform you're listening to us from
1: thank you so much Hello. until then keep
0: showing up for the best of yourself and keep showing up like only you can thank you so much for tuning into today's episode of she shows up podcast we have more inspiring episodes for you and to access all the tools and strategies and links that we refer to in today's episode head over to she shows Go there now and I'll see you online.